Hello and welcome to K-Pod, the podcast about Korean American arts and culture from Korean American Story. I'm Katherine Hong, a writer and editor. I'm Juliana Sohn, a photographer. Today we're in Beacon, New York, where we're excited to speak with Wei Jong Kim, the co-founder and creative director of the yarn and knitwear company Loopy Mango. Now, for those listeners who do not knit and may have never set foot in a yarn store, we should probably explain what makes this company so special. Founded in 2004, Loopy Mango has a cult following among knitters. Their signature product is a luxurious merino wool called Big Loop, which is the thickest, chunkiest yarn on the market. Loopy Mango has a very specific aesthetic, and when you meet Wei Zhang herself, it all makes sense. She wears her gray streaked hair long and flowing down her back and finishes the look with her signature oversized spectacles in red or canary yellow. She's the embodiment of the artsy, eccentric Loopy Mango look. She was born in Korea and attended college in Japan, where she lived for several years. In New York, she was working in real estate when she enrolled in a fabric painting workshop at FIT. That's where she met Anna Pulvermacher, a former software engineer and aspiring artist who is now her business partner. Loopy Mango is now carried in stores across the country and around the world. Next fall, she and Anna will be publishing the first Loopy Mango book with Abrams. We're so pleased to be interviewing Wei Zhang today. Welcome, Wei Zhang. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, you know, I would really, I would love to ask you, when uh, I started knitting in 1999, mm-hmm. and uh, the knitting scene was so different than than uh, what it is now. And when uh, Loopy Mango first came on the scene, it was this big event because it was so different from everything else that was there. Um, your signature yarn, Big Loop, is so distinctive. Um, it's uh, like delightful. It, there's a cartoon childlike quality to it. <laughs> Can you tell us how you came up with the idea of such a thick yarn? Uh, we used to have a store in Soho and we uh, had this knitting class and people, uh, you know, in um, New York are so busy, they can make even second uh, session. So Anna and we uh, thought about a lot how, uh, you know, bring people come back to uh, come back and knit and so there wasn't really a really chunky yarn out there you can make a project within the classes so then we uh, then we start uh, researching market and start developing our own yarn so the big loop actually you can make a head for complete uh, beginner within a, uh, 20 to 30 minutes. I have a question about the big yarn mm-hmm. because I think of that look as so integral to your mm-hmm. design, your vision, but you're saying it was really for a kind of pragmatic reasons. Yeah. So how did you shape that together? Because it now seems like that's all you want to work with. You're you're not making this yarn because you have to teach a class in an hour. Mm-hmm. So when uh, when we developed the yarn, um, it I came up all kinds of ideas. So it, this yarn wasn't like uh, cr- very crafty. You can actually make like architecture um, object with it. So I like the um, the idea that it's just. N- not just craft, but also you can create so many possibilities. I mean, you can create so many things. I feel like when you came up with this big loop yarn, because it was so new and different Mm. for anyone who's not familiar with knitting, a very bog standard needle size Mm -hmm. for yarns is like a size 
like eight, <laughs> pretty average. Um, it goes down to like ones. I think does it go down to zeros? Zero to one hundred. Yes, zero <laughs> to one hundred. And uh, Loopy Mango occupies a thirty-five to one hundred. Fifteen to yeah. So it's fifty to one hundred. One hundred. So um, fifty. Even 35 up to 100, there wasn't in, on the market. So we created actually market. So nobody wants to even make the uh, needles for us. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, we had to convince the manufacturer and put a lot of um, big deposit and they start making for us. Then they see um, it's moving now they're like kind of copy the hour. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so we created a whole market. Yeah. I think the big uh, chunky yarn and mm -hmm. in terms of the needle, we create the market. Yeah. Because now you do see this chunky knit in a lot of stores, mm -hmm. um, but it's not loopy mango. It looks yeah. like it's acrylic or something acrylic, like that. Acrylic. Yeah. Because we are very specific about what we are doing. We only want to use 100% natural fiber and also where it came from, the sources. So this, um, like, wool is a commodity, so we can control the price, really. So we do whatever we can <laughs> uh, do, but um, yes. One thing I was struck by was when someone told me how cultishly revered your yarn was mm -hmm. um, and how... She had to save up her money to buy, you know, a couple of skeins that mm -hmm. she was lusting after. And mm -hmm. um, it is quite expensive because yeah. it's sourced so well. Mm -hmm. um, so what gave you the bravery to, as new entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to make this crazy big yarn mm -hmm. and I'm going to charge what it's mm. going to cost me, which is not insignificant. It's kind of ballsy. How yeah. You... It's same as the fashion industry. You like, right now it's mass produced. Like if you go, what, Forever 21, you buy $20, um, like even dress, but it's uh, disposable. And you wear a couple of times, you don't feel good anymore. It, compared to good quality clothing. I think like our yarn is the same thing. Like we we are not intent to, intent to make a big um, mass produce. We can go China and actually make a cheaper yarn, but that's not what we likes to do. I, I want our consumers that are more cautious what they buy. And instead of buy like 10 things, I want good thing and last forever. So when you introduce a distinctive yarn like Big Loop and you mm -hmm. have to manufacture your own needles mm -hmm. to accommodate it, not only do you need to make the needles, you need to come up with a design. Yeah. So the um, proportions and uh, it, it's so different. And so not only are you a business person, but you are also the designer. Yeah. And uh, so you come up with garments, mm -hmm. home items, sculptural mm -hmm. items. I see chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so can you talk to us about this this vision? It's almost like a lifestyle mm -hmm. brand. Well, um, yeah, it's lifestyle. I mean, when I go to... Before I started business, I had to um, 
I have no idea because I was a beginner knitter. And when you go to yarn store, they are not very kind. Actually, they think you know you know um, about knitting. That's why you come and buy things. So I have to go to buy like one yarn, one store, and then they don't have a color I like. And I have to go uptown, downtown, and and then I have to look for needles. So I thought, oh, if someone just uh, present me like this design with everything I need, that'll be so good. Okay. Yeah, that's a, um, that's how I come up DIY kit. And <laughs> is that right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the knitting stores are not very friendly. Yeah, there's they a, don't know the beginner. Yeah, there's mind. almost like this um, like hierarchy. Yeah, of yeah. The, um, like if you're worth their you don't time know or not. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's it's really interesting that mm. you said that. But also the design out there, I wasn't really <laughs> liking those things. It was, um, it's beautiful. I love the techniques and everything, but amount of um, money, time, and effort is not very useful for me. It doesn't go with my li uh, lifestyle. So I was, oh, I, I can make this thing. <laughs> so I had to kind of create the, stuff goes with my lifestyle with my wardrobe and and i that's have a question about your wardrobe because juliana and i are very struck by your personal style <laughs> um are there designers that you love i know that i don't know if you still read fashion magazines but are there artists whose work you love or designers who've influenced your your eye yeah i i like uh drisban noten and come de garçon Oh, yes. And I like everyone, actually. <laughs> everyone, it depends on the on the piece. But, uh, yes, my favorite designer is Trispan Noten because he's, he's also very um, hands-on, like textiles mm -hmm. and craft. So, and I'm very thrifty, actually. Right. <laughs> I buy a lot of my stuff at um, thrift store, like, Wear Salvation Army. So when I design um, pieces, I'm I also very thrifty. I I try to make the best out of the material, so it doesn't cost too much to mm -hmm. our customers. Right. Maybe we should describe what you're wearing today for those who can't see. <laughs> so Wei Jiang is wearing a, a suit, a hands tooth jacket and pants. Seven dollars. <laughs> a red ruffled blouse. Dollar fifteen. <laughs> and um, some brogues, men's style oh, brogues. This one actually I got it on sale some shoe store. <laughs> but uh, also my accessories, not today, but or thrifty very. <laughs> We don't have this in Korea, so I really love this idea of recycling and sustainable fashion. Yeah, the the whole idea it. of um, used clothing is so, uh, like, and, like... Yeah, in Korea, <laughs> it's like only poor people. <laughs> My mom could never get her head oh, around no. that concept. <laughs> 
You came on the scene mm-hmm. right as um, these fiber arts and these handicrafts were really taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is knitting having a resurgence in popularity, mm-hmm. but you know, weaving, mm-hmm. um, spinning, and embroidery is making a huge comeback. Yeah, huge uh, renaissance right mm-hmm. now. I think uh, one fact was the recession. Uh, because of the recession, people want to make something. They they didn't really travel that expa- ex- uh, ex- what is it? extravagant thing, but they want to do making little things, more experience. Mm-hmm. But also like knitting, crochet, mm, also like stitch uh, embroidery, it kind of skipped one generation. So they used to see, like I used to see my mom doing it, but in and especially America, people, um, young people say like they don't see her mom doing it, but her grandma yes. does. Yes. And they don't have this pre um, preconceived notion that knitting is like, not not cool. They or they actually think knitting is cool. Like because doing they, something with their hands is cool. Maybe we could now go back to mm. your earlier career because mm-hmm. I'm interested oh. in the fact that you started off working as an interpreter. Yeah. Um, and before that. Mm-hmm. attending school in Japan. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to go to school in Japan. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that was, um, you know, I always wanted to go abroad. So Japan was very close to Korea. So my, my parents uh, agreed me to go <laughs> school in Japan. So that's how I went to Japan. And then I uh, got a degree in Japanese linguistics and that's how I became an interpreter. So I worked a uh, freelancer for, uh, uh, for, a, for a few years. Then I opened a uh, fusion, Korean-Japanese fusion restaurant in Nagoya. Uh, that was like uh, for three and a half years. Then I decided to come to New, New York, USA. And as a kid, were you very creative? Did you ever think about becoming an artist or going to art school or Not fashion? really. Because, uh, I always liked art, but I I never thought I had a talent. And But also like in Korea, craft, um, even art wasn't that popular. So, you, you know you want your children to become a lawyer or something more stable. So it wasn't like, I wasn't really interested in anything like that. But I learned uh, knitting when I was, I guess, around nine and 10 years, but I wasn't interested in, but I stopped uh, doing that like for a long time. That after I came to America, um, I found the crochet hook in my suitcase and I, and I always wanted to do something with my hands. And I went to Banzen Nobu and went to the yarn store, bought a book and bought yarn and started crocheting. And it was so much fun. I couldn't stop doing it. So at that time, I met Anna. And when you were in Japan, did you just love it? I mean, there's a reason you stayed, right? Yeah, I, I love Japan because it was very, to me, it was very free. Like uh, Korea uh, was very, uh, especially when you're a woman, it's very um, suppressed. Mm-hmm. Very yes. So you have to you have a social 
like attitude. You know, um, woman in certain age, you have to behave like in a way the society wants you to be. But in Japan was like everything was free. When I go to Harajuku, they dressed up like freely. They smoke cigarette on the street. Mm-hmm. Women and men, mm-hmm. like, and it was. Um, 90s in Korea, women can smoke in the on the street, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it was very free to me. And then learning uh, different language was so exciting. I think it's interesting that you've lived such an international life, and you've lived in Tokyo, and you had a store in Dumbo, but now mm-hmm. you're in Beacon, New York, which mm-hmm. is a pretty small town a little bit more than an hour away from Manhattan, and you say you don't drive, and that you love to sit in your house working. Yes. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you do, like your routine. My routine in the morning, I walk the dog and feed dog and cat and make a coffee, then start cleaning. (laughs) And then after that, I uh, probably make a sample and read some books and and knitting all day long. Because you seem so cosmopolitan, right? And you've had a very international (laughs) life, and now you're a homebody? Yeah, because when I was in 20, even 30s, I was looking for, like, purpose or looking for things I really love to do. So that was um, my journey. Like, I had a... Uh, job and I had a restaurant. I was an interpreter. Like I worked for company. Whenever I um, think like everything is uh, stable, I get bored. Like I want to look for something else. That's why I came to US. And then when I find the knitting and crochet, I couldn't stop doing it. So I I was like completely feel like complete. Like, I didn't have to go make friends or drink. Or it seems to me it's a waste of time. <laughs> I see. It's time away from you. Yeah. Name. So right now I'm completely, like, content. Your role during the pink pussycat hat, mm-hmm. because that was a moment a lot of women started knitting and they all wanted pink yarn. They sold you, out the pink so uh, we found out through Instagram, um, the founder of Pussy Hat, Pussycat, uh, Pussycat Hat <laughs> project. Uh, one of them was our customer. So we had a trunk show, one of our uh, horse uh, account in she's LA. Korean too. Did you know yeah, oh, she's no. Korean American, Krista. Yeah. So uh, we found out that she's doing that. Uh, it was just the beginning few days. Uh, she just launched it. I said, oh, I want to participate in some some way. So I I had actually the uh, head looks like a cat. So, oh, why don't we donate this uh, pattern? So that's uh, we donated pattern and people start making. There is a couple of other patterns too. So... I was so very happy to a lot of people. So the pattern yeah. for the pink pussycat hat, you were one of the originals? Yeah. Or maybe the original yeah. originator? We were not the original, but we were one, one of, of the first. Yes, yeah, she has uh, two, 
three different um, patterns. So one of them is ours. Ah. So we need uh, up some heads. We donate the head and the pattern. So we went to Women's March, March not in Washington, D.C. We were in San uh, Jose. And you wore Almost your own <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was so powerful and beautiful. Now, I'd heard that one of your best-selling products is a, re- a ready-made product, which is your Helsinki hat, mm-hmm. which is a hat, like a stocking cap that you can make, you know, maybe in an hour or two. Yeah. And that this hat went viral a few years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes. I think it's around 2015. Uh, we had this uh, called Helsinki hat. You can make it in 20 to 30 minutes. And there was um, in a uh, department store in Galleria in, in Gangnam. And we had uh, our Korean partner had a pop-up shop. And some uh, Korean supermodel came and took a lesson and she was wearing it. And it went just fighter in Do you Korea. Know the name of the model? I can find out. I okay. just did yeah. she post it on Instagram? Yeah, she did <laughs> post it on Instagram. That's how it went like fighter in Korea. Like if famous um per, uh, person has things, everyone has to have it. So then what happened? What happened was like we're starting getting these orders from a lot from Korea, but a lot and like all over the world from Korean people who live in Australia, mm-hmm. Canada, they start placing order. And at that time, we had a store in Soho. Uh, sometimes the people lined up outside of the oh store. My gosh. <laughs> and uh, that we know like something happening in Korea. Um, people probably ask you all the time, where did you get the name Loopy Mango? <laughs> Loopy Mango. So it come up with uh, our friend, uh, Anna, and we had a friend. Um, my sister used to live in uh, Guam, and she had a email address, Mango Mango. So whenever I get the email, I feel, oh, very exotic and happy. So we are trying to name our uh, company, and one of our uh, friends said, you guys are very loopy, but also <laughs> it's a connotation of loop. Why don't you yeah. call it loopy mango? I didn't even really um, knew the name, uh, meaning loopy, but was, oh, it's very catchy and cute. And and the, he said, we are very loopy, crazy. <laughs> I thought so I read very... that Loopy Mango was named after your pets. Am I wrong? Oh, the other way around. <laughs> so I had um, German Shepherd, a uh, female, so I named her Loopy, and still have an orange cat named Mango because it's orange. I would love to talk about your partnership with mm-hmm. Anna. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always so lovely to go on a journey with someone. (laughs) I know that for me, being a photographer and working on my own, it gets lonely. You have to self-motivate. And the fact that you two are so close, (laughs) that you moved (laughs) to Florida together (laughs) and that, that you have this business I would love to talk about how you support each other. Mm. Not every partnership works out mm-hmm. very well. And we actually had a third partner, and she quickly vanished. Like, <laughs> 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 she, she, was, <laughs> she was um, 
Anna just met her. I mean, they became friends. She was also Russian who just came to New York, so she, she didn't really participate much, and we barely pay rent. She said, "Where is my salary?" <laughs> ah, so she doesn't have the concept that you know, you when you own your company, you have to make. <laughs> yeah, <own> <laughs> yeah. So, and one day she just decided quit. Um, Anna is my partner, but I I don't know. We're like we can be so different. <laughs> We're so different, but. And um, the two of you, when you decided to relocate to Beacon, mm-hmm. you also bought a house together. Is that right? Yeah. So she's like a business partner, but it's like more like family. She's my uh, sister from different mom, and she, I can completely hundred percent trust her, but she's been there for me. Like, do you, would you share with us a little bit about what? striking a nerve today if you're comfortable <laughs> nothing <laughs> everything <laughs> everything she's very strong woman like me and but she's very fair but and she's very loyal in terms of culture well she's Russian I'm Korean I found a uh, similarity in Russian culture and Korean culture. But also she's a little loopy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so do your parents, um, it doesn't seem like you have any children. Do you get no. any pressure? Do they seem disappointed that you haven't produced a firstborn son? <laughs> <laughs> I think my family is also loopy. <laughs> So my father passed away, but he um, and my mom is was very open-minded, uh, and I think she's a little different than traditional like Korean mom. So they don't really give me the pressure that you have to be like this. She wishes we I had her children, but now I'm like past it. And so I don't know. My family is a little loopy too. <laughs> so I I'm very lucky in that sense. They support I don't you. have I mean, yeah. You went a different path. Yeah. And it sounds like they didn't give you a lot of friction for that. No. <laughs> so I would I'm very lucky in that sense. I and don't I, have the pressure, but also even if I have the pressure, I do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Following you on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm getting a sense of your whole vision, your life, and and it's not just clothing and it's not just yarn. Mm -hmm. There is a real um, sensibility about like quiet time and Mm -hmm. having tea and your projects where proceeds go to benefit women who are running Mm -hmm. uh, for office. And uh, how does that influence your your company and mm. your values so my life has not been like this like finally it became more organized so i was uh i moved uh from japan to here and i uh started the business so it was like more chaotic than now and i anna was married she got divorced and then i married i I got married, I divorced, and I moved the store location like many times. And also we moved from 
like New York to Massachusetts, uh, Florida, and last year we moved to Beacon, and finally I can sit down and have a tea. But before that, like everything, everything is in order in my mind, but everything was kind of chaotic. But now, like everything is come to, like that that stage. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> your story with us. Thanks, Blinka. Thank you for having me. K-Pod is a production of KoreanAmericanStory.org. Our producer is Kevin Park. Our editor is AJ Valente. And our executive producer is H.J. Lee. You can email us with comments and suggestions at kpod at koreanamericanstory.org. You can see my portraits of all our podcast guests at koreanamericanstory.org. You can follow me on Instagram at juliana underscore sone. For news and updates on Kpod, follow Korean American Story on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.